Welcome to episode 29, a celebration of all that is right with the Cincinnati Reds. And this promises to be quite a feisty edition. Because it's been feisty already, just getting set up. So, at any rate, I'm Jeff. I'm Ken. And I'm John the Bald Guy. And we are the three old Reds fans coming to you from Studio 82, just down the street from our good friends at Beans in the heart of Cedarville, the famous birthplace and final resting place of Reds legend Bumpus Jones. Be sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app or website and leave us a five-star review. That will help other Reds fans find us. And now that the Reds are the greatest team in baseball, well, who wouldn't want to listen to some old farts talk about the Reds? So here we are. And uh, it promises to be a little feisty. Well, they are the Red Hot Reds right now. Yes, very. And um, <clears throat> so before we talk about all the stuff we want to complain about, or that some of us want to complain about, and some of us want to try to reel in a oh. little bit. Oh. <laughs> and then maybe also... Yeah, let me help you. Let me oh, maybe you. also... Let me you on the back. Maybe <laughs> also further complain, and then you might have to reel me in. Who knows where this will go. Let's first just bask in the in the red warmth Amen. Of, of what's been going on lately. So, um, John is here today. Tom is... Uh, Basking in warm weather elsewhere at this yep. point, uh, he had to leave. T- he's out of town on some vacation, so uh, John has joined us this morning, Saturday morning. What do you think, John? Are you shocked? Surprised? It's fun to watch. Ten, only ten games under five hundred now, catching mm-hmm. up to the Pirates. Yeah, it's fun. And ten and, games doesn't sound that great, but we were three and eighteen. And it, was it even lower I, than that? I think they've point? been as many as 21 mm-hmm. under. I think it got as far as 21. We were the worst team in Major League Baseball at one time. And so, and, and even though we say, okay, Tom's out, John's filling in, John's one of us. John's exactly. one of the three old Reds fans. We just can't count. And on the tweets <laughs> that we have, uh, constantly, there's all four of us. So we're all four in the loop. Um, but we were tweeting yesterday, and, and John, we believe that the Reds were in June. 15 and 6. Now, only 21 games in 30 days. They had a bunch of days off, it seems, and not a lot of rainouts, but uh, the team is just playing incredibly well. And Starting off July, 4 and 1. Yeah, just incredibly well. And the game they did lose, uh, they, they blew it um, on three occasions, and you had your best guy in there, one of the best relievers in, the, in Major League Baseball. And, oh, the White Sox game that you uh, had the pleasure yeah, of attending. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Staying, yeah, free baseball that night. <laughs> I did. More than you bargained for. <laughs> More than I bargained for. <laughs> after, that, right. after they gave it away. But, you know, hey, you're going to give one away now and then, yeah, right? They, they've had some games that they've come back and won uh, against the Cubs, as a matter of fact, a week or so ago, that you did not think they'd come back and win. So you're, you're right. You win some, you lose some of these type games. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, we're hot. Things are rolling. Things are rolling. Now, John came in with a quick little trivia question. Let's do that real quick, and then we'll move on. We'll let the dust settle here. We'll let the engines rev up a little bit. Those are (laughs) two, like, the dust will have to settle later. The engines are revving right now. What was your uh, trivia question about home runs, John? The trivia question is what two current Reds that are on the team as of Today, what is it? July seventh. Seventh. 
and actually both of them played against the Cubs yesterday, hit a home run in their first at-bat with the Reds. Okay. I had a, a thought about who one might be. Kim picked him up pretty quick, and, uh, and then I was like, oh, yeah. So, Kim, who are those two guys? Oh, you want me to answer Yeah, that? just go ahead and answer. Well, the first one's sort of the easy one. He came with the team um, – few years ago in the Mike League trade, Adam Duvall. Mm-hmm. Um, and the second one uh, had me thinking for a second, and I was debating between this player and another one. Did, and my, did my hint help you uh, as they both played in yesterday's game? Yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes. Uh, Kirk Casale. Right, which and, was just, what, a month ago? Yeah. If right. that. Yeah, yeah. And, and it seems like that gentleman can tattoo the ball. <laughs> yeah. yeah he His outs are line drives back to the yeah. wall. Um, and uh, so that was a good trivia question, actually. Yeah. And they've been happy with him behind the plate, it sounds like. Well, what was the guy's name before? <laughs> oh, that oh, Cruz? <laughs> yeah. yeah, he was not very good. <laughs> His, he, had, he had the loopiest swing. He couldn't hit anything. Now, this is sort of a redundant comment. You both will get it, but he reminded me of an old Corky Miller. <laughs> and Corky's already won. Corky was, yeah, Corky was always old. Right. right. All right, one more, one more part B to the question is, and you were close, Jeff, is how many, on average, how many baseballs are used in a Major League Baseball oh my game? Word. I didn't hear that question. Uh, yeah, that was right before you walked in. Because, you know, the ball even sniffs the dirt, they get rid of it. Right. I'm going to say 150. And, Jeff, you said 100. I said, yeah, it's I was in, th- it's in between. I was thinking at least 100, yeah. And it's in between 100 and 150. And so, what is it? It's 120. 120. You're yeah. closer. <laughs> I win. You win. You went, you went over. over. Price is right rules. Price is right. That's right. I Brian was closest Price. without going. Never mind. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Brian Brian Price. Who who's that? Is he pitching coaching uh, Arizona rookie league ball somewhere now? So on average, each uh, major league team needs to have ninety seven hundred and twenty baseballs for a season. Well, that's if you use one hundred twenty balls per game, eighty one home games. That's ninety seven hundred balls. Well, that keeps. It's funny you watch baseball. your college game and you see the ball in the dirt. And I, I'm so used to seeing the catcher go like this, and the guy yeah. just takes it back and throws it to the pitcher. I was like, come on, guys, Major League Baseball, come on, don't. Tighter budget. Well, the minors, you see them. The they go through a lot of balls in the minor yeah. leagues. I mean, they, they do a lot of the outfielders after the last out, they pitch the, the ball, pitch the the ball into the field. Right? I mean, yeah. the guy catches a fly ball the other night to Dragons games. He turns around and throws it up in the lawn in right field, I noticed. They probably do it all the time. I just don't. I'm not yeah. usually. I'm usually looking down at my at my score sheet, marking down the out or whatever. From the press box. You From know the that. press box. <laughs> Just think how many foul balls there are. Box. Uh, there's a lot. Yeah. There's a lot. So you might have thirty or forty foul balls in a game. Yeah. Okay. Jim Regelman is doing a lot of things with the lineup. Some would say he monkeys with it too much. And so, what did you observe? What do you observe on that? And I know the night you were there, Kim. It was uh, he was pretty double switch happy that night. So what are your uh, what are your thoughts on the situation? Well, you know you you said it very well in a tweet yesterday to someone else. Um, the guy was talking about, and it's a fair point. People have been talking about higher rhythm and higher rhythm. Everyone's a lot of people are saying no. Let's slow down. Let's bring the pendulum back to the middle. It's only the middle of the season. Let's wait to the end of the season. Let's do a search. 
and some Cubs fan was complaining and saying, well, aren't the Reds basically the same team you had last year? Um, hello, no, we're not. Uh, Di Scalfani didn't pitch at all last year. You didn't have Tyro Molly until the very end of the year last year. The beginning of this year, how many guys were injured? All right? Disco didn't pitch, right? Suarez was injured. Scooter was hurt. Shebler was hurt. We had so many guys out. And so... Cozart was playing over his head last year. So Riggleman... Riggleman comes in, and he's got the benefit. He's the beneficiary of having a lot of these guys back now and healthy. They don't have Pennington and Goslin. Whoever decided to bring them on, forget about it. Who's the guy they shipped off to the Texas Rangers? That relief pitcher, Guardo. What was oh Gallardo. Yeah, they, Gallardo? They just cut him. The yeah. Rangers picked him up. Yeah, and, and he was horrible. <clears throat> and so whoever brought in all these guys in the offseason, eh? So they they've upgraded, but. To it me, seems, it seems like every beginning of the season you have to sort through all your pitchers, who's going to stick and who isn't. You know, there's always a um, little well, bit of that. At the expense of say Brandon Dixon and Blandino, you had Goslin and Pennington who were going nowhere. We've had the discussions on uh, texting lately about okay, do you bring Homer if Homer Bailey gets healthy? Do you give him the starts instead of Bob Steve, who has been killing it the past three or four starts in Louisville? Um, but to, to your question, Jeff, I just get so, I, I, and I confess, I love watching Winker play. In the White Sox series, 11 plate appearances, he was on base seven times. I do understand, I don't understand WRC+. Plus. I don't understand WOBA. <laughs> I understand my made-up EDP. We yeah. all seem to like it. But I, but I do understand OBP. And the guy gets on base. And the guy can hit the ball. You don't have him batting leadoff. Been saying, I like him in the five hole. Well, look what he's done with RBIs since you put put him down. And it just seems like every game he plays, and I think every game against the White Sox, Riggleman did the double switch, and who did he pull out every time? Winker. And so the game I was at, not only did he double switch Winker out, what was it, in the sixth inning, you bring in Shebler. Yeah, okay, they were up, I hate it that they I were up seven to two. I hate it. I mm-hmm. hate right, and we needed some runs that last inning. Mm-hmm. That bottom of the twelve. Well, you don't expect that with you your bullpen. I did. I just. I'm just. <laughs> and so you bring in Shebler. <coughs> I like Shebler. Shebler has done very well. Jeff had the man crush on him last year. We teased him a lot, but he has leveled out. Fortunately, not at the two. Runs. Not at the two twenty range. He's been up there at two ninety, and right now. He's come down, but he's still in the mid-270s. I'll take that. And 11 homers. And with the homers he hit yeah. last year and his aggressiveness and his love for the game, love Shebler. So you bring he's him faster in. faster than Winker. And you bring him in. But then, guess what? Another double switch. You take Shebs out. And after the 11th inning when the Reds didn't score, I left. Because who's in? Jackson Stevens. Because you, you went through, what, seven or eight pitchers that night. Now you have Winker and Shebler out. And I just think, you know, at some point you you outdo it, you outsmart yourself. And so it's been a little frustrating for me uh, seeing a guy like Winker who, in what was it when they were on that West Coast trip, that back in May that Riggleman announced, okay, the odd outfielder, the fourth man, will be Winker. And what happens a day or two later? Winker's back in the lineup and has basically been there the whole time. To me, someone upper management above Riggleman said, no, Winker has to be playing. 
So that's where we all began to question, I shouldn't say began, that's when we all picked up the steam on questioning what does the front office leadership really have in place. So I, I just get frustrated with the double switches, the pitching. Two pitchers, Garrett, and it may have been Crockett the night I was there. Uh, you used two pitchers for a total of seven pitches. The good thing is they're ready for the next night. That's right. That's right. But they weren't that night. So, well, I got a real good cure for the double switch. <laughs> I saw your cookies. Well, let me I saw our and, and, and you know what my cure for I felt you know what I my, felt I felt the wrath of your state. The, the real cure for the double switch. You're making a statement to people like me. Go you ahead. don't like the double switch? <laughs> we could bring in the DH. That'd cure all that stuff. Well, I'm gonna you know, that, this that's, bump. Yeah, he's fired. <laughs> So. Uh, you know, I'm going to speak to the front office here real quick. Go um, ahead. If you didn't wa- uh, listen to the podcast on ESPN. It's called the ESPN Executive Podcast. You sent that yesterday to us, and I haven't had a chance to listen. He talked yeah, to Dick talk Williams? To, talked to Nick Crawl. Nick Crawl. Okay. And Nick Crawl came up uh, in the bean, bean, uh, bean ball days out with Oakland. Yeah. And he worked his way up from ball boy. Did he ball work boy. for Oakland? Yeah. yeah he yeah, worked yeah, for yeah, o- yeah. Oakland and as basically a ball boy. And he asked questions. He was he would it would talk to anybody that would take him under his wing. He got Billy to take him under his wing, and he learned. This is a it's an awesome podcast. He learned how to watch film. He learned how to evaluate talent by watching those guys, and learned about statistics and everything um, that you need to be analyzing the game with. He might be one of the best general managers that the Reds have ever had in looking at film and being able to evaluate talent. We aren't going to see it necessarily. Not yet. But I think he's going to have a huge say and have a huge... And when Dick Williams sees his talent in that, maybe they're going to start listening to him and let him you know, let him have some impact in uh, personnel decisions. I like hearing that, John. So, but listen to that podcast. It's a great story about Crawl, and I think you'll have more faith in the Reds' front office once you see that. And maybe some of what's coming together right now is maybe they are telling Riggleman, no, you got to play this guy versus this guy just because. You right. know, he's watching tape, video, what have you, and, um, and maybe they see stuff that the normal guy can't see. I don't know. Okay. So, my two cents... <laughs> on this is that we can look at any move a manager ever makes and we can always disagree with it at the time or we can we can hindsight it which is easy to do and i'm not accusing you kim of just hindsighting because i know in the first place you're like no don't do that i want to keep his bat in the game however i think jim riggleman is doing one thing that I think is really important for this team, even if some of the moves don't work out, I get the sense that he is putting a premium on let's try to win tonight more than Price ever did mm-hmm. and more than he did at first. And so I think part of this, one thing for the Reds is there's got to be this, and I wrote about this, I didn't share it with you, but I write some stuff, some blogs on that LockedOnReds.com site, and I wrote about this. 
that I think there's a winning culture attitude that has to be developed alongside all this. Mm -hmm. And I think if these guys are major leaguers, we as fans look at this and say, and the front office says, this is a year of setting the table, which it is. And I think the players know that. But they're major leaguers. They deserve an attitude in a clubhouse that we're trying to win this game tonight instead of we're just development mode. And I think at some point you go from rebuild to build, and I think we're moving into the build phase, and I think there's a whole lot to be said for let's try to win tonight's game. And so I think that's what you're seeing reflected here. Um, and that's going to carry over once you have built the team. And I think so. And, I, you know, the Reds have been criticized for a long time at the minor league level of not trying to ever win games and not caring how they put rosters together to try to win. They've been accused of that for years, rightly so. Now, they got a manager in Dayton right now, who, Luis Boulevard, who I think is a rising managerial star who tries to win games all the time. I mean, he got, he will send a guy around third with two outs. He double-steeled to get a run the other night. Does all those things. So I think I think what you're seeing Regelman do, even if he is overdoing it at times, um, and I think he probably has, I think that second double switch in that game was maybe a little, you know, but you look at, and the reason, you look at the situation of the game, I look at the game situation. So then he did it on the th- game three of that White Sox series. Mm-hmm. It's a you can get Billy on second versus Winker with two outs. You got a much better chance of getting a run in. Do you remember who was batting? I don't remember who's batting. Okay. I don't. I don't care who's batting. Okay. They, anybody can get a hit. Okay. Lorenzen hits home runs. I mean, anybody can get <laughs> and a hit. It was Lorenzen, and he struck out. And he struck out. All right. And everybody's yeah. So, but Lorenzen could have just as easily gotten a single. He took a. He took a. I think he took that strike three. If I'm not no, mistaken. No, it was in it was the a, dirt. It was a good at bat. He fouled off a good at several bat. pitches. So. You're trying to get that run. Then Billy is your center fielder, which makes sense late in the game, and you got the lead. And if you kind of go in order the next two rounds, I mean, Winker doesn't even get back up to bat in the game. Now, the red he the spot came up because they were they were doing some stuff and they scored a run anyway. So I don't have a problem with that one. That to me, that's good baseball managing. If if, if you don't have the DH. That makes good sense because you do you get Billy for three innings in the field, mm-hmm. you get him on base in a scoring position in a scoring situation, possible scoring situation, and the likelihood that Winker is going to have a chance to really contribute to a big inning or to anything at the plate doesn't when this particular isn't really case, that much, especially when game, you trust your bullpen. But in this particular game, it, it did it did come up where they could have used them. Now, here's my point. Because you texted me after Billy made that throw and got nailed the guy at the plate. And my response was, I have no problem with that. Because I, I, when that ball was hit up the middle, and Scooter, if you remember, dove to his right, didn't have it. The ball wasn't scorched. No. Okay? And Billy charged it, made a perfect throw. Tucker got it in time. And what I loved about Tucker doing is he went towards the runner. He's not going to let that guy try to sneak around right, his right. tag. Well, that was just a All right, tremendous th- throw. Tremendous play my point is twofold one and i know you like adam out there for his defense i understand about billy but why not pull adam at times because as hot as he's hot's probably not the right well word, that had as much better as he's played he's still batting 204 and my second point and i talked about this before we got on the air is has winker's defense been that egregious i say if anyone's been 
egregious in the field, it's been Scooter. And his, yeah. But it's Scooter's playing better. He is. But has Winker done anything that has stood out to say, that is just a horrible play? Uh, not for a while. I think early on he was he was whatever. And I don't think it's necessarily because, oh, he's horrible. I think you say, Billy's this much better. I agree. Maybe. Uh, I'm and, saying and, take and, that and, out. Well, but the, but you got to look at what... I don't think when you make a when you make a double switch, it's not just to get a certain guy out. It's about where he falls in the in the batting order at the time, and that's and that's where you know. I mean, if if they gone out in order the next two innings, Winker's spot never comes up. I I get that, but you know, you noticed this past week whose two spots came up that he double switched for besides Jesse. You know who the other one was? Scooter. Um, if you notice that he's done that, he double switched Scooter out, and it, again for defense. And I'm like, at, at some point, to me, it's just like yeah, defense matters. It, yeah. it's, it, it's, so does winning, and so many things make up winning that game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To me, it's just, and he he knows a lot more about baseball than I ever will. But it's, at some point, do you just overdo it to the detriment of the team? I think he's. I think he has a tendency, like you alluded to, is I think he he. Uh, plays a little bit aggressive. What do you have to lose? Let's be a little bit step or two more aggressive than maybe we normally would if we're in a pennant race or something um, and play it safe. Be aggressive. Right. Let's take some chances. Let's and, win some ball games. And here's another Here's another point I made, too. I'm going to say something he's not going to like. Go ahead. So we'll say it. <laughs> okay. To that point, then why do you have Billy on first and you're having Peraza butt him? Oh, up? I agree with that. Billy's not running enough. As you yeah. said that, I'm sitting here thinking, this just does not make sense. And, you know, Jeff yeah, gives us, and rightfully so, yeah. Jeff gives us a hard time about the DH. I, I'm more of a purist. He, he, you know, the Reds would be a better off team if we had a DH. Well, everybody I, I, everybody you know, in the National League would be. But, but mm-hmm. I, ju- I just don't get why you have Billy on first and you're bunning. Because bun- Jeff has pointed out the data. The data shows with bunning, you lose. You lose. So I, I just don't yeah. get that either. Uh, yeah, and Peraza's had a hot, pretty hot bat. I mean, Peraza, it's all about pro- – if you can progress – I remember years ago, Cozart, six years ago, was horrible at the plate. Yeah. He progressed. Peraza – from two years ago, from last year, he is progressing. We yeah. love it. And, he, and he's he's already walked more than he did last year, which he still doesn't walk enough. <laughs> yeah. Three times was yeah. Yeah. three times last year he walked or something. It was low, but he yeah he started off not walking, and his his walk rate has picked up. And he he walked with the bases loaded one night. I remember I was like, how ironic was that? He has a better eye. Yeah, yeah. He makes good contact. Yeah. Um, I think he's 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 coming, and I think it's. Everybody, everybody's been looking for a way to replace him in the lineup, and I'm not sure that's a good idea. The other thing I think has happened that I think Riggleman is – this is – I don't know. I haven't heard him say this. I haven't heard this question asked of him. Maybe it has, and I just missed it. Something I'm going to give him credit for is that I think he has helped team chemistry because early on, this whole four-man outfield thing, I think, I think part of the – reason those guys struggled to hit early and for a long time was this whole thing of not knowing when you're in the lineup and when you're not. Sure. And I think it affected all four of them. Mm-hmm. Um, Winker sort of got going when Shebler was hurt a little bit. The other two didn't yet, but they have. And so what I think you're seeing happen too, and he, and he even did it with, he's even done it 
with uh, Blandino and Dixon while he was here. Now he's gone. We have Dilson Herrera up, up. And so I think what's happened, too, with the double switches and things like that, more guys are playing more days. Mm-hmm. And so Winker gets his three at-bats. He's double switched out. Instead of Billy sitting on the bench all day, he gets an at-bat. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not he, – he pinch hits guys. Um, he's not afraid to do that if it's if it makes sense to pinch hit or if it makes sense to double switch he does. So I I just feel like some days at the end of the game it's like well who were the outfield starters today because they've all four have played and I I think that I mean maybe I'm giving that too much credit but it feels like that that helps the team more guys get on the field more days instead of just pinch hitting you get out in the field for an inning you get used to the flow of the game you get into bat you get a hit and honestly. He's trying to win games, and I understand Winker is more of a future. Duvall might not even be on this team next year. And or, I, or this year. Or this year, before right. this season's out. He may be gone. That doesn't mean you never play the guy. You're still trying to win games, and he's contributing right now. I mean, yeah, he's not hitting 400, but he's contributing. I mean, you know, he's batted. He's raised his average. He's hitting 270, 280 over the last month or so, something like that. And Billy's been doing the same thing. And so I think, I think that those things matter and help. Now, I don't think you just say, oh, Duvall's had a good month. We can't trade him. No, that's silly. But a guy who's contributing, you don't just ignore either. We can look at his RBI total. I mean, RBIs are – I mean, you made the point too. You move Winker down in the lineup, he gets more RBIs, which naturally you do because the RBI is – a little bit more of a team. It's it's kind of a team stat in a way. I mean, you can't drive in I runs agree. without guys on base unless you're just hitting it over the fence every time, which people don't do. So a little feisty there. We got it all figured well, out. We had some good tweets, and I felt like, ah, I'm just going to be quiet about it. And you said, no, don't be quiet about it. It makes good conversation. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. We were, well, texting, actually. But we were texting, texting a lot <clears throat> the other night. And I went up somebody going out looking for all our tweets. Real, real quick, did y'all turn and watch the game on the ESPN broadcast? I, I got no, because I, I was at the Dragon, covering the Dragons game, That's and right. we just had it up on without any sound, so I didn't see any of it. The, the interviews with Joey Votto were tremendous. Uh, you know, I can't remember the guy's name. He, I actually... Uh, myself and Nicholas Kirby. Nicholas Kirby tweeted something about it and said, really enjoyed it. And I said, me too. It was excellent. And and the guy who interviewed, I forgot his name, retweeted us both back, or tweeted us both back and said, thank you. Oh, Sean B. Yeah. But the interview was phenomenal. You know, stuff that we've heard all along, but uh, from a different slant. And then Rick Sutcliffe spoke to him. And it was just a Votto praise, which is kind of interesting because he has been struggling the past, what, week. Um, but... Very, very good interview with him. And they also hit on the David Letterman, Jerry Seinfeld oh, yeah, yeah. thing. And then they showed the clip. And then they asked Joey about it. So This was on the 4th of July, right? Yeah. yeah. But Rick Sutcliffe, so they, Rick Sutcliffe said, this is why I love the National League and no DH. It's a point you... No, no, no. It's a point you just made. Oh, what? He said, because with all the pinch hitting and double switches, you get more guys in the game. Yeah. And I know. American, you know, look at the look at the counterpart of uh, the White Sox manager. He hardly did any pinch hitting. He hardly did any double switching. They don't know how. Well, you know, they're <laughs> they're just not as used to it. And yeah. you know, it's a it's a mindset. You're right. You get used. You know, it's an mo. It's a. Like, I guess I think my biggest 
argument for the DH and the NL is because it's everywhere else. I think if it was nowhere else, I'd be fine without having it. High schools? High well, school? high school is different because because a lot of times in high school they'll they'll DH for like some ninth freshman kid playing second base who who can't swing a bat yet. I mean, they don't DH for pitchers in high school. They high de- school, your pitcher's your best player. Yeah, yeah, they're usually yeah. good hitters a lot. Of, and so I've seen pitchers DH for in high school games, but they usually DH, you know, it's find the weak, who's the weakest link on the team, and they DH for it. Um, they don't do it in the minors, and they've got a million reasons why they don't, um, that they're going to stand firm by. Um, injuries and everything else. Well, you're not going back. You're, you're not going backwards. You're not going backwards but on we, that. If no. we had a DH, we'd lose a position player and gain a pitcher. Right. Which you is know? one of the things that apparently the competition committee is studying this. Um, you know, Tanaka for the Yankees, he 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 got a he heard a hamstring scoring on a sack fly. I mean, he's on the he went on the DL. I don't know if he still is. They did some others. They're talking about some other stuff. They're talking about the shift. What what, what are some things about the shift. Are they going to outlaw that? Are they going to change some rules on the shift? Have you heard this talk? I hope not. No, I hope and, not. And someone, and so there could be rules, and I don't think there should. I think they should let people do what they yeah. want. But two ways to minimize it have been, that are talked about, you can shift, but you got to stay in on the dirt. Can't play deep, can't play like short, short right field like you do in softball, you know, like a fourth outfielder. So last year when Madden had four outfielders against Votto, they would outlaw that. They would outlaw that. Or you just make a rule that you got to keep two on each side of second base. I'm just saying those, these things are up for debate, just so you know. They're also, the other one that's come up is, well, if that does, if they do that, banning the shift actually protects power hitters, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And all this uppercut and launch angle stuff um, – continues to further take away from running game and excitement of the game, you know, because, you know, the stats now are like there's more, a third of every at-bat either is a home run, a strikeout, or a walk now, which is up. Um, so we have less base running. You know what it's I'd like because like everybody's become Adam Dunn. Adam Dunn would be a superstar today. I would love to see him outlaw. <laughs> he know, would you be. Have a, you have a runner on second, third, and a pitcher. Steps off the mound like he's going to throw there and turns and looks. You can't do that at first base, but you can do it on second, third. I'd love to see him outlaw. Well, they that. took away the one to do it to third. That, Did they? You, you can't you can't fake the throw to third and go back to first now. I don't think. I think they right. t- they outlawed that. I thought yeah. I've seen. No, the, you can do it to second. Base? You can do it to second. I'd, I'd like to see him take that out. They take it out in the college game. Yeah, they can't do it to third anymore. It never worked anyway. It just slowed down the game and. It's just like a waste of time, so let's not do it. Since we're uh, speaking of pickup uh, pickoffs, uh, you know, Billy got picked off first yesterday. Yes. He also got caught stealing. Well, he got, he got well. Both. I saw it was I the same play. It was the same yeah. play. Well, they got it down here as a pickoff, a pickoff, and a caught stealing at second base. Well, I think that was all the same play. I know. I mean, Billy was I on, saw I watched the play. He went early in the left. He, he, just threw it there. he, he went times. on the first move because the guy had thrown over like three yes. straight times, and so then he he guessed he's going to go to the plate this time, and he went on the first move, and he right. was caught. That's what happened. Still made it close in second. Yeah, it was still close. I mean, if the throw's a little high, he's yeah. safe. Yeah. So if you get caught stealing at second, it's also called a pickoff. At nah, first. not really. Right it should be just a caught stealing. 
CS and a pickoff. Well, they, yeah. I don't remember those two plays. And Billy was on base four times yesterday. He was on base four times. And we like that. And got taken off yeah. twice, yeah. if this is right. The other thing that's come up is possibly going to a 26-man roster to get another position player on rosters because everybody's packing more relievers on because of the way the game has changed in the pitching. So, anyway, those are some things that are out there just ones you to know about. And They'll think be about and talking about that in the offseason, yeah. I imagine. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so this is episode 29. And um, and why can't hitters learn how to hit against the switch? That's my big thing. Well, Just like choke up on the bat and punch one down a third baseline. I mean, that's it's a, it's, baseball they, is an art. If they're doing that to you, learn how to hit. Well, maybe some are. Quick I don't trivia. Know. Who was the first player that they had the major shift on, I oh, guess. He was with the Kansas City Royals, a no. lefty. And the announcers used to say, that, okay, that I remember, the announcers used to say, if he would only just bunt the ball down the third baseline, he'd have a double. I thought that and his was son later on played, poppy. John Mayberry. Remember mm. John Mayberry yeah. for the Kansas City Royals? John mm. Mayberry, RFT. They had that major shift. Hmm. Well, Ted Williams, was the first shift was on Ted Williams. That major shift, yeah, okay. yeah. Lou Boudreau, who, who, there's a, this is great. His, this is some fun reading if you look it up. Lou Boudreau was a player manager for the Indians. And Lou Boudreau is a Hall of Fame player, and he was one of the great players of his time. And he hated Ted Williams, and he resented Ted Williams because everybody said Ted was better than him, and he thought he was better just because he thought he was. He was a prideful player, so he he's the one that devised the shift to try to ah, take okay. Ted Williams, try to ruin Ted Williams's career, and it didn't work. So, there's stat. You can look up stats on hitting into the shift. Some guys still carry a pretty good batting average hitting into the shift. Uh, McCovey, they shifted McCovey. I remember going to games when I was a kid and looking down and saying, "What are they doing?" And my dad explaining to me how that why they were shifted. Mm-hmm. So they did the they did the McCovey shift. I mean, cool. That was in. There was like a two or three guys in the league they would ever shift on like that. So now they're doing those spray charts on tell on the yeah, games. Yeah. Have you seen that? Which is cool because they show that a lot, and then you actually see the way the guys are shifted because most of the time on TV they never show you that right which is why I like going to games all right episode 29 who's the last red to wear number 29 Tracy Jones he did but not the last he's he was on our team this year and he's been he's now in Louisville Landino he's a southpaw mm. Brandon Finnegan mm. any other 29s you think of wow not right off hand all right, how about him? Usually we run into 29 when Kim's serving. Cup. <laughs> Sorry. I don't even know what that's about. Right. I know that has to do with ball. A couple of recent catchers, Brian Pena, Ryan Hannigan, Brett yeah. Boone. Was 29? 29. Huh. A good pinch, pinch hitter, fourth outfielder on the 1990 Reds uh, from, 88, from 88 to 91. Was that Glenn Braggs? No. This guy, Braggs was maybe only there a year. He was a pinch hit. He could pinch run. Um, Herm Winningham. Herm Winningham. Tracy Jones, another catcher, Alex Trevino. Good base stealer for the Reds, late 70s into the early 80s. Dave Collins. Dave Collins. Here's a pinch hitter from 1973. I remember this name, Larry Stahl. Remember that guy? S-T-A-H-L. Yes. Uh, Alex Johnson, who was a really good hitter. Only played for the Reds for a couple years in the late 60s. Uh, the great Wally Post also wore 29. Your dad likes him. Yeah. Uh, Harry Walker for a year. Harry the Hat. Um, so anyway, since 19, 
That goes back to 33. I, don't so I need to get ready for a, <clears throat> the next episode in Ken Griffey Sr. Number 30. <laughs> Ken Griffey Sr. Yeah, you want to give that one away already? So, anyway. Um, so, so that's some interesting stuff. Now, Kevin Harvick. Who? Kevin Harvick. <laughs> oh, sorry. Now we're in NASCAR mode here. <laughs> um, I know that. I know who that is. I worked in the uh, that part of the country for a while. I still know World Cup. I know. No. I don't. I wouldn't. Nothing. I got nothing against it. I just wouldn't walk across the street to watch it. <laughs> Might get in a fight. <laughs> you know. I don't want. I don't want my hooligan tendencies to come out. <laughs> uh, anyway, because he's like Viva la France yesterday. I'm like, what are you talking about? Viva la France. Sacre bleu. Right. Tom pipes in. I love the World Cup. Where, where'd that come from? I had no idea that man would ever watch soccer in his life. I know. I never heard of where, where, about soccer. Where, I mean, I know you played it. So that's fine. I got nothing wrong. It's fine. I just, you know, you can I, only, I can, my attention can only go on to so many things. You know how that bit is. And I said to Lisa, I said, it's amazing that the, 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 the passion and the loyalty and the zaniness of these fans, and you hear them all game long, just won't stop, and it's yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it is. All right, Hunter Green and Taylor Chamel are in the Futures game. Did yeah. you see that? Mm-hmm. Good to see that. Love it. Now, you, I, Siri got moved up, and Chamel didn't. Mm-hmm. Part, to double A? To double A, and I found out part of the reason for that is Siri's a little bit older, and he was supposed to start the year in double A, but he got hurt. In spring training, like first first exhibition game, he got hurt. So yes, I think that's why once he got healthy, proved it, they owed him that. Cause did that's, he get hit last he, night in the face with a curve? Oh, I don't know. Did he? Yeah. I didn't see that. So um, I have a bobblehead of Jose Siri over there. Well, what about Taylor Trammell going to uh, high A? He's in, he's in high A. Oh, okay. He's in high A. He's in Daytona. All right. He's been in Daytona all year. I thought you said Daytona. Right. No, 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 no. That he's been in Daytona sense. all year. It's just he's a little younger. I think he'll be up there Didn't next year. Did they draft year. him with Sinzel? No. He's you a sure? year, year later. He's a year younger. You sure? Yeah. I thought they drafted him the same time they drafted Sinzel. I think he's a year younger. He, he could have, but he wasn't picked as high. No, but he was still a high he, pick. He might have been. He could have been. I'd have to look that up. I don't, it runs together. But you could be right. You've been right once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> now, where do they put Jonathan India? Uh, he's going to Greenville. Yeah. The new rookie league team in okay. tennis in the uh, in the Appalachian. So we Lake. won't see him here in Dayton. You know, could you? You could because um, I don't know if if they want to play him at shortstop. Jose Garcia has got that locked down right now. Jeter Downs plays it a little bit. Um, we got a lot of middle infielders up through the minors. Oh you know, yeah, yeah, and you just if a couple of them become some of them are good, going to be traded, and some of them mm-hmm. are and some of them are going to wash out. You know, I yeah. mean, and some of them are going to be looked at. Some of them are going to. Become obviously he's more of a utility guy. I mean, um, I mean, Blandino was a first round pick, but the consensus is that this guy is probably not an everyday player. He's more of a utility guy just because of a lot of his numbers and the analytics and everything they look at. Um, could he develop past that? Maybe. That's why Peraz is getting this chance because you know how it is. You mm-hmm. you, you gauge, you scout, you look at him, you, you get opinions. Um, so that's what's happening there. Um, all right, I got a throwback player real quick, and then we'll talk trade ideas, and then we'll finish up with that. All right, in honor of the Reds Hall of Fame inductions that are coming up soon, there's a little left-handed pitcher that's going in to the Reds Hall of Fame. 
from Big Red Machine days. Number 32. Norman. Fred Norman, yeah. So I, I did a little looking up and digging on him and found some interesting stuff. He debuted at age 20 in the majors. He's from Florida. In 1962, with the Kansas City A's, he only pitched like in two games, through like four innings. And then he was up and down, up and down for eight years. He did not exceed his rookie limits until 1970. Really? Yeah, Man. with the Dodgers. <laughs> so that, isn't that weird? 62 to 70 before he got to his uh, rookie limits. He stuck with it, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Good for him. He stayed in there, hung in there, and he bounced around from some different teams. He became a starter in 71 with the Padres after the Cardinals traded him. He was 3 and 12. He had a 3.32 ERA and 18 starts. 3.32 RA, ERA. 3.32. And 3 and 12. Three, well, the Padres. That, that was no, like the I, third I year. It was like the third year of the Padres. They had Randy Jones and no one else. Well, I don't even know if he was with them yet, but uh Templeton. Yeah, they sure. were they were bad. Um so then he got traded to the Reds on June 12th of that summer because the Padres were cash strapped. They needed some they need they needed to get rid of some maybe some salary, but the Reds also gave him an outfielder named Gene Locklear. Remember that name? He was an actual a Native American. Yeah, hmm. and yeah. another reliever named Mike Johnson, who had like one year of pitching a few times in the majors, and they got money like one hundred fifty thousand dollars. Apparently, that helped keep the lights on at Jack Murphy Stadium for a while. <laughs> So they needed money to stay in San Diego. So in seven seasons with the Reds, he was 85 and 64. He had 38 complete games, nine shutouts, and a 3.43 ERA. So that's why he's going in the Reds Hall of Fame. And when you looked at him back then, you thought, oh, this guy's nothing. This guy's the weak link in the rotation. Yeah, but he was actually the best but what you, in some uh, ways. What you just shared, those numbers, and I remember reading those a while back, phenomenal. And, and he and Sparky took him out of the rotation at times, and then he put him back in. He'd have a couple bad starts. He'd pull him out, and then he'd put Captain him back in. Captain Hook. Captain, yeah, exactly. So he, he actually started Game 4 of the 75 World Series, which I was fortunate enough to attend as a young lad. They lost that Game 5-4 to Louis Tiant, and he only lasted like four or five innings in that game. Uh, the Red Sox got to him kind of early. Now, this is a great trivia question. Since 1945, only three men have won 10 or more games for the Reds in seven consecutive seasons. Of course, obviously, I'm asking the question. So Fred Norman's one of them. Hmm. How many? At least 10 games in seven consecutive seasons. Three Three of them? Three of them. Fred Norman. Were the other two? What what decade? Uh, One after Norman. So was it in the 70s, though, or 80s? No, no, more 80s. Okay. And then to the 90s, I guess. And the other one was pre-Norman, like 60s. What about um, Mario Soto? Was, no. No. Wow. And then in the 60s? You'll be on a rooftop soon. Ah, Browning. Tom Browning. They're going to do wow. that. And then the other one is Jim Maloney. I was going to say Maloney for the okay. 60s. Okay, all right. I'm sorry. I, I, okay. I didn't give you one more chance. So I'll have to I'll take your word for that. I believe you. <laughs> Thank you. So he went to the Expos as a free agent after the 79 season and retired the next year. He was like 38. I just remember the, <clears throat> as a little kid watching the NBC Game of the Week. And I was a little boy in South Carolina. And Joe Garagiola, or how are you, how are you pronouncing Joe Garagiola. Garagiola. There's so many different ways. And Tony Kubek. And Norman would be pitching. And it would frustrate Joe. 
because he took forever. And he goes, whenever he pitches, there's like ether in the air. <laughs> he would say that constantly, and that's ether. how I learned what ether would do. Ether. That's funny. <laughs> so watching Bugs Bunny. He was at 104 and 103 in his career. He had a 364 career ERA. Uh, we take that today. Yes, mm-hmm. we would. 56 complete games, 15 shutouts, and uh, 1,300 strikeouts. So the reason the Reds traded for him this is a quote I found in a story on the. His, there's a bio for him like on the Saber.com. You can go in there and read all of these bios. Sparky said, "To get the real top flight pitchers, you have to strip yourself of so much talent that if you make such a deal, you find you don't have enough left to win." Which is one thing I'm concerned about with what the Reds might do here, or what some people want them to do. You you, you can strip yourself of so much, you you can't do it. So you try to obtain a pitcher who has pitched well against your club. Uh, this philosophy fit Fred Norman. Um, he had been a Reds beater for the Padres, and he was like 4-1 and one or something against the Reds. Hmm. And the Padres weren't any good, no. but they couldn't beat Fred Norman. So, so who is our pitching nemesis right now? Who do we want to go after? Oh, no, the list is long and distinguished. Oh, I know who he wants to go after. Who? Corbin. Uh, Corbin, yeah. I like – Corbin is – Patrick Corbin for the Diamondbacks is 28 – if there's a guy to go out and sign who's at a good age to do that, he's the. I think he's a good target. I don't know what they'll do. He says he learned how to pitch in the minors under Roger Craig. Wow. And then, then he got hurt. That was after an injury. And then he played in, like, AAA for Warren Spahn and learned more mechanics and the psychology of pitching. Cool. So he's 75. He's still alive. Cool. So anyway, that's Fred Norman. So there's lots of trade talk. What do you think? Iglesias, Jeanette, Duvall. And there's another name. Those are the three. Well, Billy's name is as well. And Billy. Uh, those names get thrown out there. And, of course, there's also Matt Harvey, the starting pitcher, who we th- thought when they traded for him, the idea was maybe here's a guy who can get his act together and be part of a, a, a trade for whatever the Reds might want at that time. He might package him with one of these other guys. Um, but he's been pitching great. He uh, has really looked like a, a strong starting pitcher again. And in his last outing, he had a chance to go really deep, maybe eight to the even into the ninth inning, the way he was throwing in his pitch count. And then they had the rain delay. And I think he ended up six and two-thirds, I think, is when he had to end up coming out because it was like a hour delay or something, and he didn't come out. Do you think the Reds will really – I mean, we let's not even try to guess what they might actually do. Do you think they'll actually do something here at the deadline? Do you think anybody will offer them enough? Uh, I, I just – no, not right now. I, I, if there's an injury – I think then someone's going to pursue a Scooter Jeanette. Well, there are some bullpens that could definitely use a Glacius. And, you know, I have no problem with that because Jared Hughes. Yeah. We have Jared Hughes back there. And we got Amir Garrett. And you said it a while back, and I think the data has shown it's true. You can get relievers. And in the Reds' case, they can convert them. They can develop them. Chapman and Iggy were what? Both starters. They're both starters. You know, and they've the already one, converted Garrett to a start to a reliever. Right, and the, the one guy we had a couple of years ago never pitched one pitch for the Reds, Ryan Matson. They have yeah. got him from the Phillies. Yeah, he's pitching again, but and then we got Sean Marshall, the lefty. Remember that got yeah. injured. Yeah, 
So you can go out and get a closer. Yeah, I think you can. When you need what you need at the point. And that's when I texted, and you never responded. John, and you may have been at the Dayton game. John did, hmm. I'm like, okay, if the Nationals offer us Robles and we give them Iggy, and then wasn't there one more pitcher? I don't know. I think the Reds. Would you take Robles? Here, I don't know anything about Robles. Uh, he, he hasn't. Phenomenal. He hasn't come up. Yeah. He hasn't come up yet. They brought Juan Soto up ahead Five of him. Five tool player. Yeah, yeah. They want him. He they was might up be. At the end of last I, year, I have a feeling that they want. I have a feeling they think Bryce Harper's going to go, and they want. They're going to keep him to yeah, be the, to take right. You know, to, to fill in. That makes sense. But I think the Reds are deal, have a can actually deal from a position of strength right now because I think they have some players that people want now, mm-hmm. some established guys that people want. Like who? It, well, the guys we've already mentioned. I, think, I don't know that you get up that much of great I, I, return for other than Scooter and other and, than and, Iggy. And those are the two those guys. Two, but you're if if, get if, value you're, for. if you think next year's outfield is not going to include Adam Duvall every day, I think you get. I think if you get a really good offer at the break, you take it. If you don't. Yeah, you don't have you can and I sit guess on that, what is what is really good end up. I don't know. Being. That's up to the Reds and that you know, and so forth. And so they've made a couple of shrewd moves here lately, dealing with this international free agent signing cap, right? <laughs> we texted about that the other night, and he's like asking me these two questions. I don't understand your questions. He goes, "I don't think I do either." <laughs> I don't. I mean, I, and and okay, but I um. I do need someone to explain to me how that works. I just I can tell you. I'll mobile. give you the thirty second version. Okay. There's a, a it's a salary cap basically for international for international throughout spending. the league. Okay. Right. It's and so and you have so much you can do every, over. A, I don't know if it's once a year, every two years, or what the time period is. I don't know that. Okay. You have so much you can do. The Reds um, exceeded their limits. Already in so this spent, in this period, they spent above. They their spent cap. above it. They paid some penalty, so whatever they have now left, or that they've picked up, or whatever, I don't know how that all works. But at any rate, they're on a probation, so the most they could pay anybody to sign them right now is three hundred thousand. Right. Which you're not going to get a good player right. for that because he's going to get five million from somebody <clears throat> else. So what they did was this one pitcher. Uh, James Marinan, I think is how you mm-hmm. say his last name. They really wanted him last year. He was a fourth-round pick, and they didn't get him. And so they trade Floro. They trade this other Neil, Zach Neal, who, who they got. Who they they got. got him last year from the Dodgers. Yeah, he was in, the other, in another trade or somewhere. And so they traded those guys and some of that cap space that they can't really use to get anybody good anyway. And get Marinin, which is like a guy they really want. So how can you trade away cap space? It's just a paper trade. There's no money changing hands. You just you you have you have this you have your pool, and you just shift some of your pool to another team to give them a bigger pool. But the Reds are already above that cap space. Well, like I said, I don't completely yeah. haven't complete research. That, that, that's where I'm lost. They're above the cap space, so how can you trade away? Right, space? right. So they. It, it may be that they blew it one year, so the next year they have the probation. And so this year they have this probation. They can only do so much. They can't use it all because they overspent and paid penalties on it. They basically spent $10 million to get Jose Garcia from Cuba, who's the shortstop in Dayton right now. 
So that's kind of what they did. So well, to that to this point, I uh, heard an interview from one of the ESPN reporters talking to Dick Williams, and talking about signing, how much money you're going to spend. And Dick didn't come right out and said it, but he did allude to the fact that we have spent money in the international market, significant money, as investing. And he said, and I think, uh, and he alluded it almost to the effect that I think you will be surprised um, basically saying that I think you'll be surprised with the money that we're going to invest uh, in, next in, payroll, in payroll for next year. Yeah. That's and, what he said. And so I don't know if they do much at the trade deadline, and if they don't, I'm okay with that because I think they are going to spend. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to go I, find a pitcher or two. I think with the horrible start and the fan reaction and then the mishandling of the – what outfielders do we play? And with Winker, and then next day, or after 24 hours, he's back in the lineup. No, I don't think that's mishandling. I, I, I do. I think behind the scenes, they. I, I think there was a lot of non-communication going on. I think they realized they front office they have to do something. They have to make a move. I think. They, I like how you said I, I also earlier, think Jeff. They want I like how you said earlier. Not rebuilding, but now we're into building. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. That's a good point. Yeah. I like how you said that. Yeah, it's the new. It's now we're going to – rebuilding is about – Retooling. Retooling and, 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 and the miners. Building, you get to this phase here, it's sort of like, okay, what's the last couple of moves we make so that our team can go out and contend instead of – How do we move this? How do we, we contend, get, how do we example, contend how this we year? This so we can get Senzel in the lineup right. pretty soon. Right, you know? right. And I, I would – I like Scooter Jeanette, but I would rather see a team next year with Senzel at second – I would rather have unproven commodity. I would rather have. I know, I know, but everybody's. You know, he's a can't miss he's guy. He's excelled everywhere. He's, he's a can't miss guy. I don't. I don't expect him to come in and have a year Scooter's having this year, but I think. In, I think he's going to be really good. I, I agree. And, um, and got to ride the Scooter chain, train as long as we can now. Well, but do you put him in the outfield and get rid of Billy? And have an outfield of Jeanette in left, Shebler in center, and Winker in right. Or do you have Shevlin and Winker on the corners and Billy in the middle? Put Sinzel at second. He he takes Scooter's place. A Peraza continues to improve. Um, Suarez is who he is. Joey, I don't know when Joey. I don't know how long Joey's going to be Joey. Two to three. Two to if three he's still years. even Joey. Okay, that's a little bit of. I don't know. You're starting to wonder. All right, like, I'm not. I'm not. Let's say this. I'm not cashing him in yet. Let's but say I'm in just, three years, and India's up. Okay, do you have Suarez at first? You might. Yeah, and he moves at the third. first. He moves See, the I first. wouldn't even mind putting Peraza in center. Peraza, I, yeah, I, I yeah. like what he's it, doing at shortstop. My point is, all these options, oh, yeah. and they're great. I, they're I love great. It. And they're you got great. some back. You got some catchers in the minors. Right. And the starting pitching is starting to round into shape. You're seeing. You're not seeing guys getting ripped every time they go out. They have good starts. Pitching for Louisville. That's right. They have good starts. They have bad starts. It's a roller coaster for them. They're young, but I think I think I think they're actually setting the table to contend next year. That'll be the expectation. If they don't, they'll have to make a couple more moves. But I think I think they're getting close. Right. And not just because of the past three or four weeks. I think I've felt that way since the beginning of the season. Right now pitching for next year. Disco, Molly, and Castillo. Those three. Yeah. yeah. And Romano's going to be there, I think. I mm-hmm. like Romano. I, I know mm-hmm. you do, but his ERA is still 5.4. And what do you do with Garrett? 
Do you bring him into the starting rotation? No, well, I think he's he already could... publicly. He's been on record saying, "I like being in the pen." Well, back to what Dick Williams had to say. I think they're going to sign a starter. Yeah, I think so they're going to sign a starter. So if you get rid of Iggy, the yeah. night we were texting, he said, "There you go." He, I think he could be a closer. Oh, Lorenzen too. I mean, I like. I don't know. I kind of like Garrett. I think. I, like, I think Garrett I like, can come in and blow people away better. And I like the yeah. fact that you would have Jared Hughes as a writing, who's right now. He's sort of like the backup closer. So then next year you'd have a lefty and a righty. Yeah. All right. Well. Triple switches. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my mind. I can't take it. Maybe we could have two DHs. <laughs> <laughs> one you, for the pitcher wait, and one for Billy. Why don't you tweet that to the rules committee? And make, let's add the courtesy runner rule. <laughs> Billy can go in and run for the pitcher every time he gets yeah, right. runner on Ghost second. Runner. Ghost runners, runner yeah. Anyway, all right. I, I think we've about conquered it all for today, but hey. It's been good. It's been fun. The Reds are winning, and we're happy. So when you next hear from us, will there be any major roster changes? Uh, will the Reds be closer to that elusive 500 mark? Uh, we hope for the latter for sure. The roster changes, well... Just depends on what those changes might be, but for now, keep on rooting for the best team in Major League Baseball. Amen. Go Go Reds. Go Reds.